Get ready for Big Green Real Estate Talk. Hear about SW Florida and Southern Texas real estate market trends. Backed by two experienced marketers who have sold millions worth of real estate in their regions. No matter if you're an average Joe or a multi-million dollar investor, you don't want to miss this. Veterans Day. Thank you to all the servicemen and women out there fighting for our freedom, for our country. We appreciate you, those in Afghanistan, those in Iraq, active duty veterans, those have served Vietnam. Thank you so much for your service if you're tuning in uh, live. Um, <clears throat> hope you guys have had a blessed day and you got all your free meals. If not, stay tuned. You're about to get into some good stuff with uh, Kyle over here and uh, Tyler. You wanna take it off, Tyler? Yeah, absolutely. So today's segment is actually Extraordinary uh, Real Estate Home Loan Secrets. And today our special guest that you guys seen uh, is Kyle. Kyle, go ahead and tell me a little bit about uh, what you do here um, with the Moore Group. And, um, you know, just go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself. Happy Veterans Day to all the veterans. Thank you, Chad, for mentioning that because, man, I'm a huge military supporter. I love freedom. I've never served. I've got a lot of friends that have served, but, you know, I love freedom, guns, you know, the, the Constitution and our rights. So I appreciate any military uh, armed forces, any service members out there. Um, so grateful. Um, my name is Kyle Army. I'm a mortgage loan originator with the Moore Group in Florida. Um, I'm a mortgage lender and uh, yeah, I, I do loans for homes, uh, VA loans especially. Man, that's a great entitlement. I love VA loans because, you know, that's one of the benefits that you get for serving our country in any way that I can help make that happen. I, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So it sounds good. I just want to jump right into some of this topic uh, right now that we have. Um, now, as you can see, I know that the viewers are, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Facebook, um, wherever you're watching this uh, from, or if you're maybe later on listening, um, I know you can't see the screen, but I, I got this up so he can kind of Kyle can kind of see what we're doing uh, as far as, you know, what questions we're going to ask. And then also, I kind of want you to know that um, if you guys have a question or if we hit a pain point or something, I want you to be able to uh, uh, to really ask those questions that may be something uh, more effective to you. So one of the biggest things that come into play every time, no matter where we're at, uh, Chad, I'm sure you and your market have the same thing, but a lot of these guys, they have it to where they don't understand the difference between the pre-approval and the pre-qualification. Mm. Can you can you kind of elaborate on that and tell us what that difference is? A hundred percent. So pre-qualification doesn't mean much. It doesn't hold water. And, and most agents or most people in our industry, they know that a pre-qualification is bogus. You know, you've got a lot of the big banks, especially they're guilty of this. Bank of America, Wells Fargo. If you're a consumer and you want to buy a house and you say, hey, I want to get pre-approved, you go in, you write your name on the sheet, you walk into the office and the private banker says, okay, hey, tell me everything that you think it is. How much money do you earn? How much money do you have in your bank account? Uh, you know, what are you trying to do? And then in, in 10 minutes from a, a verbal conversation, you've got a pre-qualification letter, go out there and, you know, get on out there and go bid on property and, and essentially waste everybody's time. 
a pre-approval is well you know and unfortunately some mortgage lenders and banks don't appreciate or understand the difference but a pre-approval the way it should be is a fully under auto underwritten so you know when you're applying for a mortgage there's an automated system where you enter the customer's information and that's going to translate to can you buy a house or not um, through du which is desktop underwriter um freddie mac has their own system but anyways a pre-approval for me and for most people in our industry means that you've done a credit application which a pre-qualification same thing you are going to do a credit application but more importantly you're going to provide docs and you're going to prove it because when you say you make x amount of dollars you don't understand gross net there's certain things that get you know jumbled up and understood verbally so a pre-approval means that you're ready to go you're through fannie mae's system you've been auto underwritten I've seen your assets, I've seen your pay stubs, I've verified all the information, I've gotten your tax returns, so I've verified that you filed accordingly, and you know, that, yeah. that's the biggest difference. So just to kind of, let me kind of give you a scenario, maybe Chad, you might have one too, just to kind of fit this same principle is that, so if I go to Quicken Loans and they send me back this letter and it says, you know, you're pre-qualified, and underneath it, there's a couple bubbles that they have there. And one of them says, because my credit is like, let's just say 700, 800. What, am I not automatically ready to go buy a house with that? Absolutely not. And shame on you for going to Quicken Loans <laughs> Rocket. Come on, Tyler. <laughs> I'm just asking. If Don't that's... disrespect the real estate community right so, now with so, that garbage. So, 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 yeah. So, I mean, there you go. That that speaks volumes because a lot of people don't understand it. And and that kind of, that's what I'm trying, that's the point that I'm trying to bring up is over the fact that it's not the same. Uh, so that's, that, that kind of makes sense. And listen, it's so competitive, at least in our market, we're in Naples, Florida, but it's so competitive and it's so difficult to be a buyer right now because you've got multiple buyers, you've got multiple offers. <laughs> it's just, it's really difficult to buy a home and get your offer accepted. And as a listing agent, a professional listing agent, when they see your offer and when it's coupled with Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage, Internet Lender, XYZ, that is not going to get considered. And, and, you know, the seller of the home may get fooled by that, but the listing agent is not going to allow their client to accept that because everybody knows that nobody wants, I mean, do, don't work with Quicken Loans because what is it? Turn times? lying pre-qualification it's just that oh hey give us your credit app let us capture your data so that we can market to you for the next 10 years and here's a, a bogus letter that we're gonna you know fall through on you know I, I i hate to talk so bad about certain lenders but we deal with it constantly because we have to constantly re-educate you know borrowers and you know clients and understanding that when you see that pop-up ad for 1.9 percent just read the term you know read the terms and conditions print, and talk to people that are actually doing it because you talk to any agent that's you know done any business at all and, and they'll tell you everybody you know mm -hmm. everybody knows yeah and chad have you had anything similar i mean is this something that you come across in your market yeah in san antonio uh, where i'm based out of i've seen it happen um one of, one of my clients, they brought me uh, uh, 
I was working with a buyer and they said they were pre-approved through Rocket Mortgage and uh, <clears throat> they wanted to make an offer on a house and we went to make an offer on the house and the listing agent actually denied it uh, because it was through Rocket Mortgage. They said that they had another buyer that used Rocket Mortgage that fell through after they went through a process in another home. So they, they, took, they took that lesson and used it, you know. So there's, then I had to go get them pre-qualified at another lender or pre-approved at another lender um, for them to be able to make an offer um, on the home. So that was a scenario I've seen over here. Um, and it kind of leads into the next question, Tyler, that you have is, uh, I think one of them we were gonna ask is, uh, what are some of the differences between mortgage brokers versus banks? So it's a tough question because I came from the broker world and I was drinking a lot of mortgage broker Kool-Aid <laughs> and I've been with a mortgage lender direct for about two weeks now. And, you know, they both have pros and cons. Um, the mortgage broker, uh, I mean, to talk, you know, real, I thought that by having 50 different lenders that I could log into and, and check rates with, that I had more, you know, diversity and more competition. But, you know, I, I guess uh, to break it down for your viewers, a mortgage broker arranges loans and then packages that loan application and, and assigns it to a lender, whatever lender. A, a mortgage lender is assigned to, you know, they specifically do mortgages and they work in hand with their, they have a team, they have an underwriting and a processing system that's all in the same company. So, Selfishly, I'll explain the benefits of a mortgage lender over a broker because I think the brokers have, a, a, they're doing a good thing, but they're still pretty far behind on turn times, communication, um, speed, and clarity. Because as a broker, a lot of times I'm not the lender. So if I have a question from a client who's asking a question that really the lender should be asking, it causes this delay and this time and waiting and this like circle of communication of getting the title company to communicate with the lender to get to communicate with everybody else. Being a, a mortgage lender directly, I'm the bank. You know, if you have a question or if you need something done, if you need something handled, that's, that's my job. I do it right away. So, you know, if you get a contract, for example, um, if as a mortgage broker, if I want to step one for me is to disclose the loan terms in a loan estimate, which is just a legal trade guideline. So we have to disclose an estimated um, loan term uh, to you. And as a broker, I have to say, hey, Mr. Bank that I'm going to do business with and sell this loan to, can you please, when you have time, disclose the loan? Whereas now as a direct mortgage lender, I just get on my computer and spend 30 minutes structuring the deal. And then I send the documents directly to the borrower. So I would say the differences, I think I've explained those and the benefits probably to the mortgage lender side. Brokers are getting better and better. I'm sure they're going to, you know, pick up in the speed and clarity, but, um, you know, more mortgage lenders are just more direct, quicker and, and straight up. If you ask me a question now, I can answer it a lot quicker because there's less people I have to call. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, because you are really, I mean, because with the broker, I mean, it's down the line. It's nice to have banks um, lined up, I guess. But now let me just ask you this, just to kind of go a little deeper, if you will. 
what about interest rates? How do they vary or how do they stand up against each other? Like when it comes to going with a mortgage broker, actually being, you know, the lender. Rates are good regardless. Okay. I mean, we're blessed right now. Rates are ridiculous. I'm, I'm doing, I mean. <laughs> he's doing some good loans. I can, I can, I can attest to it. He's, he, listen, just to, just to give you a little uh, quick uh, story. I know, and I know that we, we got other questions we really want to dive into, but just as a, as a quick little story, um, I actually had a deal. Uh, I won't mention names of anything, but I had a deal fell through. My customers at the time were living in uh, a hotel, trying to wait to get through a, ho- through a whole thing. And I basically came up and I threw a Hail Mary and I gave it to Kyle. And I said, because Kyle wasn't the original guy because they already had their own lenders picked. Um, and I said, here, Kyle, can you do something? He goes, man, I'm going to try. And I, lo and behold, we got the deal done. And I mean, we got the deal done. And and they had already, and, and listen, they got the other lender denied them on the day before closing, the day before closing. And I had to go and try to rebandage the whole deal, but he got it done uh, when nobody else would even touch it. I'll be honest. Nobody else would touch it. So those are things that mean a lot to me uh, because those are things I look out for the, for the customers and stuff like that. So um, <clears throat> Chad, did you, did you have that's, anything? No, that's, that's interesting. All that, you know, they, they, I never thought of it that way between a broker and uh, uh, and the bank. So it reminds me of like, uh, you know, there's just a lot of miscommunication that goes on as a, as a, as a, you know, getting in the middle of all that going on, you know, as a broker, um, you're, you're, you're spinning many wheels, it sounds like. And so is that true? Yeah. I mean, I'll say this more importantly than figuring out who's better, a mortgage broker or a mortgage lender. Both of those parties are so much better than the big banks because a bank of America, SunTrust, Credit Union, Wells Fargo, they offer all types of financial products. They make money in so many different ways, and they just so happen to do mortgages to, you know, to collect that revenue. But working with a local, you know, somebody that you have a relationship with, a mortgage broker, banker, I, I would say it doesn't matter. They care a lot more. Okay, number one, a Bank of America, for example, you got 20 salaried employees that are touching your file, whereas we, and they don't have a relationship with, with Tyler, right? right? So they don't care if they disappoint you, they're going to get paid regardless. But (laughs) for somebody like me as a mortgage professional, my company and my team, all we do is mortgages. Number one, number two, typically for not for everybody in our industry, but for most people, it's commission only. So I, I, just like you as an entrepreneur, I don't get paid until the deal closes. Mm. So, you know, when you do a, uh, you know, you, you send a deal to Bank of America and they, you, you could piss off for 60 days. And if they need an extension, it is what it is. And good luck calling. You call 1-800-BANK-OF-AMERICA. Good luck. So, you know, it's important to have relationships with people in your community, local, independent, direct relationships and, you know, hustlers. And that's why, you know, me and Tyler get along so well because, you know, he's <laughs> yeah. a grinder and, and we're young entrepreneurs that are, you know, trying to trying to take care of families and, and that's what we do so yeah, yeah and I, think, I agree and I, and I think that leads us into what I really you know kind of just it's actually more part of the loan process right is that so we all know that uh and if you don't know I'll go ahead and tell you for those listening is that when you go get a a, a lender involved they have to get your house or um 
multifamily, whatever, uh, appraised, right? Mm -hmm. So these appraisals have to have to really go through. But my question is, is that if an appraiser comes in, let's just uh, hypothetical numbers, you're they're getting a loan for a hundred thousand. The appraisal comes in for ninety thousand. Mm -hmm. Is the loan still going to be able to go through? Uh, it depends. It goes a couple different ways. So in, in any contract that you sign, if the appraisal comes in higher, it doesn't matter because the, the buyer is the one that's paying for the appraisal and they're not even going to reveal that information. They just, they won. But if it comes in lower, the first thing they're going to do is say, hey, seller, the market says that your your price was too high. And then basically there's a couple of things that can happen. Either the buyer says, I don't care. I want the house. And in that case, however much more that the loan is than the value, they're going to have to come out of cash because the bank's only going to lend on the lower the value. So it's either the price or the appraisal, whichever one's lower. That's how your loan to value is calculated. So if it comes in lower, either the buyer loves the house and they say, okay, I'll pay cash out of pocket to cover the difference. Or the seller goes down and says, okay, my house, I was wrong. My listing agent didn't do proper CMAs and I'm okay. I'll adjust it down. Or you meet somewhere in the middle. Otherwise, there's no escrow bonding. There's no deposit bonding that. Every, all parties can walk away and everybody's time can essentially get wasted. Right. And, and so I know that, have you had an issue? And this is something I don't know if they factor in or even, I know this is more of an appraisal type of question, but um, have you seen anything where the appraisals hasn't came back, uh, but yet they thought it would come back higher because they had solar panels or anything like that? I mean, because we're getting into a point to where solar panels are starting to be a huge thing here lately. Mm -hmm. uh, and has that been a factor for you? I don't see a lot of solar panels coming up in appraisals. Oh, really? And honestly, because of COVID, there's been a lot more what i've noticed appraisal waivers under the right circumstances a lot a lot of times fha guidelines are not even requiring appraisals or the appraisers now have the ability to do essentially a drive-by they don't go in the house That's they're right, not yeah. digging in as much so they're working more on market data um you know which is good and bad there's pros and cons but you know, I, honestly, I don't see solar panels. That's not coming up. Now, obviously, in the future, that can come up a lot more, but I, I haven't seen it. What about Chad? Well, you, I mean, I know I know Chad has a little bit to say on this subject. Matter. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, my seller is a little upset because he just, he just lost the deal because um, the, appraiser, the appraiser came in too low. And, uh, and the loan wasn't able to get approved uh, because they, he added solar panels on the house. So we overpriced the house as far as what the, mar the market, the buyer would pay the price, but the appraiser said no. And they are, they are happily walking in houses over here in San Antonio. They are, they are getting lost in the attics over here. They're doing head and shoulder inspections in the attics. They're doing everything, the whole nine yards. So there's no cutting corners, I guess, on some of these um, for FHA loans. I wish that was the case. This was actually an FHA. Um, it would have been an FHA uh, loan. And so um, now, you know, here's the story is, is my uh, seller is going to end up taking the panels off which just so y'all know, it's about 12K to remove 35 panels from, from your house. And he said, I'm just going to take them with me and uh, then we'll just re redo the house because here's what's crazy is he had, a, he had an appraisal done in July this year and the appraisal didn't even add, the appraiser didn't even add um, solar panels in his comps. I looked at all the comps 
And I was very surprised to see that he didn't add any um, homes in the area, except for one <laughs> out of six comps. He found one house that had solar panels. And so he just comped it without solar panels, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, it's hard to kind of discern who's right, who's wrong in that case. And it's also uh, frustrating for the seller, of course. And so we're, we're kind of like trying to backtrack, but also figure out what's next um, at the same time. So it's a very interesting scenario. Um, so I'm kind of happy that's, you know, that you guys are, you know, in a different situation on your, on your side of the, the U S here, where in San Antonio, it's a little bit more, seems like strict, I guess is the word. So. I think they're just busy. Like everybody's just so busy. And I think solar panels is something probably easy to get looked over on. Unfortunately, you know, it just said, that, that's a bummer, you know, cause solar energy, that's great. You know, what a, what a huge value to add, but. Yeah. yeah but just, over you know, time, you're on the money. Not, yeah. Yeah, over time, it's just they it, it, they do get overlooked, unfortunately. So that's one thing I'd be saying. And what Chad that that actually segues into your next uh, your next. I know you had a question that you wanted to throw out there. Lost volume. Other question is uh, what home lending policies changed, if any, when COVID nineteen impacted uh, impacted everybody. So was there any policies that really, besides the credit scores, we all know credit scores, uh, you know, now you got to have a higher score. Uh, yeah. I, I'd say the one that that's most of, that I feel most affected by is for self-employment borrowers, because now besides being self-employed and looking at two years income history, you have two options as a self-employed borrower. Either you do a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet but also provide two months of business bank statements that match. So not only do you show a profit and loss and a balance statement, which before we never needed, and you can make it yourself, or you can go on QuickBooks as a self-employed borrower, and you can easily print up a P&L. It's not anything fancy, but it's not like these people can just say whatever they want because you also have to back it up with two months bank statements that prove, hey, this is my business. This is my year to date. This is my balance statement with my assets and my liabilities. And also to back up that proof, here's two months bank statements showing a similar, or if you don't have two months bank statements, you can also just only provide the, the P&L statement and the balance sheet, but it has to be audited, which is a much more expensive process. I've had a few self-employed borrowers that, hey, I don't have bank statements, but I can provide two months or, or a audited profit and loss and a balance statement. The problem is most quality CPAs, they'll charge you $2,000 or $5,000 just to do that service. And it's also time consuming. So if you're trying to close a deal in 30 days, you can't pound on your CPA to rush them to do this because they're going through your bank statements and they're auditing it and they're signing off on it. So it's just, that's been very frustrating. You know, besides that, uh, you know, a lot of different lenders, um, have different overlays, like you said, credit score, you know, minimums. I know a lot of the down payment assistant programs got wrapped up. Commercial lending got crushed because construction loans, this guy wants to build a house every five days. He's like, hey, give me a construction loan. I want to build another house for a client. And the problem is when COVID hit, you got materials, like the shipment on materials are taking forever because of COVID. You can't get lumber and, and drywall and, you know, things like that. 
Um, and also lenders don't want to get involved in a construction project not knowing if there's going to be another pandemic. Like, can the construction workers continue to go work and build this house? Are there going to be, you know, labor, you know, or uh, hiring people? Like, there's a lot of uncertainty. So when you're doing a construction loan and you're giving a borrower a hundred grand up front to, to issue out to a general contractor to start, you know, doing different levels of building, well, they want to close that deal in six months. They don't want to give you a hundred and then wait for the loan to close and, and get jammed up for three years because the project got delayed. So there's a lot of uncertainty. I feel like it's coming back now. You know, we're getting those programs back, the hard money lenders, um, you know, forbearance caused, there was a lot of the liquidity crisis at first when, you know, when everybody went forbearance and people weren't making their payments, you know, uh, lender, you know, there was a lot of like, uncertainty but it, fortunately it's all going away that self-employment borrowing deal that's not a broker or lender issue everybody has to comply with that which has been frustrating interesting yeah because uh one of the things that he's talking about is with the with built with the new construction is so <clears throat> he's talking about like you know the materials and stuff i know i because I, I work the reason why I, you know that i come to you because Basically, I work with a, a GC and I know that he's telling me the cost of material has went up. And, it, and and here's the thing. He's telling me this every week, it seems like, you know, I mean, at least every two weeks I'm hearing something. And so because of that, we're sitting here and we're like, well, I don't know, you know, and, and then it makes me concerned of the final result. If we're going to get um, if we're going to be able to get to that appraisal, if I have a final like even if we do like an end to loan, you know. That's where those things kind of come into play uh, that I'm, I'm trying to, you know, get to the point of, of getting better situations going. Uh, but it's not always easy. I mean, what you know, are they, there's a lot of new construction out there, too. Right, Chad and, and San Antonio. Yeah, I was talking to uh, somebody today. In fact, it's funny you, you kind of mentioned that is, uh, you know, there was this uh, potential client that wants to list a medical office over in one of the higher uh, we'll say higher, higher desirable areas of San Antonio. And um, she wants quite a bit per square foot. It's a, it's a medical office. So she wants $26 a square foot. And the guy I talked to today, he said, I just put a tenant in there next door for only 19 a square foot. Mm -hmm. So there's a big difference in um, commercial. He said that he said that the, uh, the vacancy rate is about 60% right now. And he said pre-COVID, it was about 40. So it flopped. So mm -hmm. he said, since everybody's working from home, um, it's caused, it's caused the office spaces, the landlords, to you know, be lowering their rent just to keep people in there and to get new people in there. Um, and he told me straight up, he's like, I'm not sure I would work with that client. You know, if, if that's how much they're wanting, he said, cause you're just going to waste your marketing dollars and your time and energy. Um, and he said, then he, he flipped it back. He said, but right now, he said, I love being a residential right now because um, he does both. And uh, and so he said, I'm taking off on residential. There's a, there's there's several new communities in San Antonio being developed right now by, you know, big name builders, um, at least here. And uh, one of the concerns, like you said, Kyle, was, was definitely the, the lumber um, I actually uh, heard through a connection I have that one of the primary owners of um, lumber source here in San Antonio, they had to stop a train a few weeks ago just to get two by fours off of it. And it was on its way to California. Um, 
And so stuff like that's been happening just to keep the demand, you know, supply going here in the middle. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, I don't want to get too far into the weeds. We know there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen. I've been watching a lot of the other experts here on, on YouTube and, uh, and listening to uh, what their philosophy is of what's going to happen next year. Um, it's not, it's, we're not quite out of the woods yet. We've hit it. We've hit a hundred thousand cases already since the beginning of November. Uh, I think almost per, per day or something like that. Ridiculous. Uh, you know, so things are tightening up. I got a friend over in Italy. He's behind closed doors right now. Again, they're locking down other countries again. Um, so we're not fully out of the woods yet as much as people wish we were. Uh, and, and the forbearances are going to start picking up again as well. Um, because that's supposed to last, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, they can last up to 12 months. So after 12 months, the forbearances is up, they still have to have that job again to be able to start paying again. And then here's a new scenario that's about to come up is a lady in California advertised the other day that she ran into a scenario where they were at the closing table, closing on the house and the bank came back and said, no, we can't close. They still owe 6,000 on their forbearance. So they couldn't even fully close in the house. And so somebody had to pay for that. Yeah. The deal may have fell through. I don't know if the buyer ended up paying for it or what, but her point was there's new situations that are arising. Um, And I think I mentioned last week, we're in what we call a K-shaped recovery where certain industries are recovering at faster paces than others. You've got, you know, your services and hospitality industries uh, that kind of collapse are starting to finally get their way back up. Transportation has always been good. You know, there's different things like, continuously, you know, fluctuating in some of these changes that we're going to start seeing more of. But uh, anyway, I think that's time on that. Tyler, what do you got? Well, I just, have you seen something like that yet? Were they, or is that not really in our, in our realm as of yet? Man, I'll just, I mean, forbearance is important because with all the amazing interest rate opportunities that there are right now, the lenders are, it's, I don't know if it's the government or the lenders, but when you declare forbearance, they want to take your right away to participate in the low interest rate. So when you go to refinance or buy new property, if you've done that forbearance, you're going to really struggle to lock in a lower interest rate, things like that. So I would encourage anybody watching this who's a potential homeowner, borrower, you know, new first time home buyer you know, or, or just anybody with a mortgage, if you can pay your mortgage, but you choose to like take advantage of the system, just understand that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be consequences that, that you can be penalized for. So, you know, try to avoid it at all costs, because if I'm doing a refinance deal or looking for somebody to buy a vacation home, there's any evidence and it's come up several times. There's any evidence of forbearance on your credit report that's toxic because these lenders just, they don't like that. You know, especially when, when you do a brand new deal, a lot of times, especially with brokers, you sign a mortgage and then within two months, they're going to go and sell it to another lender. They're going to sell it to a servicer. But in that two month period, if you go in forbearance, so if you buy a house and then instantly go in forbearance, then the original lender that's trying to sell it, they get stuck with the deal. They can't get rid of it. So uh, forbearance, like any evidence that you may go into forbearance um, it's, it's is good. very toxic and it freaks the lenders out right now because of the liquidity because they're already dealing with all the forbearance so no lender no servicer wants to take on a new you know 
300, $500,000 mortgage with the risk of not, you know, getting, being able to sell it. Can you confirm one more thing real quick for me? Are you guys doing HELOCs right now? I don't do HELOCs. Um, I've never done HELOCs, but I, I know that they exist, you know, but I, I don't. Okay. Because that was another caveat was a lot of lenders right now, they're not doing HELOCs because of what's going on with COVID. So that might have been another. It makes sense. Yeah. Which makes is, sense, right? <laughs> line of credits. Yeah. We, you know, as mortgage lenders, that's more of like a, an investment product for a, a bank or a credit union. Like that's something that the big banks do to, to oh, make, sure, sure. you know, they've got a suite of products that, you know, car loans, installment loans, vacation loans, and then they slide in mortgage. And that's why they're not focused on closing your deal. They don't understand the real estate hustle, the process, because, you know, for them, it's just another stream of income that they try to capture as much as possible. That's why they give pre-qualification letters so easily because they want to put you at ease and make you not shop and say, Hey, here you go, go Mm -hmm. buy a house. But then in 60 days or 30 days, we're going to be like, psych. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Oops. And they don't care. They don't know Tyler. They don't care. You know, they, yeah. they, Bank of America doesn't care about letting Tyler down. Mm-hmm. For me, if I let Tyler down, I would lose sleep. And that's the difference. Yeah. That's why you want to have a relationship with a local independent mortgage professional that you can count on and text and call and meet at his office at 730 <laughs> to do a podcast. Bank of America is not letting you in their office <laughs> at 730 to do a podcast to ad- educate, you know, buyers of property. Yeah. And that's the difference. You that's, know? that's very well said. I mean, I think that that's one thing uh, that people just don't understand the importance of the relationships and not, and not being uh, here. I mean, anybody can do anything online. You can do distance, whatever you can social distance, you know, to California, wherever, but the relationship is what matters uh, the most. And one thing I want to say before we close out, and I didn't get a chance to really say it in there, but I want to um, say thank you to all the veterans that actually served. Um, 100%. I know that that's like huge. We got our freedoms because of it. And Chad, I know you're a veteran yourself. So thank you. Damn, Chad. I didn't know that, man. What branch did you serve? I was in the Air Force. That's so cool. Yeah. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, right by Davis Monthan Air Force Base. So I got plenty of friends, you know, people that I grew up with. Like, I respect that so much. I love freedom. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It was transportation. Anything with wheels on it, I drove it. (laughs) That's what I tell people. Very cool. There's a lot of countries that wouldn't let a couple guys like us go live on a podcast right now. So I'm, you know, grateful. Yeah. Appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Chad, I'll let you go ahead and wrap it up. Well, hey, uh, guys, I guess this is this is it for episode three of uh, Big Green Real Estate Talk with Tyler Triplett and Kyle over there from the Moore Group. We appreciate everybody tuning in uh stay tuned next week we got some new hot topics coming at you be sure to subscribe to our channel like us below help us out a little bit uh and feel free to ask us any questions in the meantime uh if you have anything that comes up uh, that you feel like you need to know something about i'm in san antonio texas representing uh, buyers and sellers and investors i always say invest in texas now is the time to buy with these low interest rates um let my experience be your uh you know work in your favor and then Tyler, same thing. He's, uh, he's over there in the Southwest Florida market. Uh, if you need anybody uh, to ask any questions, to be sure to reach out to him, please. Um, and other than that, thank you guys for tuning in. And we hope you guys have a great day. All right, Chad. Take it easy, man. Later. Bye-bye. All right.